And we are back for yet again another par train quarantine version with my man, Mr. Matt Cermak. Before we go into um, the episode and the intro, um, in case you haven't joined us for a par train before, um, this is a show where we try and make your life less frustrating than your golf game. And so wow. it's all about on course lessons that apply to life um, from best selling authors to PGA Tour pros to golf media and golf businesses or business people in general that love golf. In this case, this is super speed golf. I like it. Um, we've had them before talking about their, their speed system and they have a new product out. And so we thought it'd be a good time with all of us at home to maybe reset and think about, oh, wow, I can hit the ball further. Even if I'm not going to the course, I can just practice at home. That sounds like a dream. For right? sure. Great, great to have the super uh, speed guys on for the second time. It's a really exciting new product uh, called the Super Speed C. Dive into the episode to really kind of understand what it does, but it's in the same vein of trying to hit the golf ball farther by creating more speed in your swing. And it's really cool. Um, super speed just a really, really hot, great company right now. I mean, some of the notable guys that are PGA Tour players that are using super speed, Billy Horschel, Bill Mickelson, Larry Mize recently, uh, Brian Gay, Scott Piercy, John Rahm. I mean, there's no shortage of, you know, <laughs> everybody kind of jumping on the super speed train. But uh, the, the question is, well, would Phil be able to hit bombs without super speed? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he kind of made them famous with the video last year when he was just swinging those sticks as fast as he could on the yeah. range. Yeah. And he's, he looks good. He's hitting it pretty far. You know, he almost won the match. Yeah, know? almost, uh, yeah. But a um, uh, great, really great episode. I mean, these guys are very innovative. Yeah. And um, you're going to hear that, you know, uh, kind of a look in to what they're doing. And it's really exciting. Yeah, there's a lot of science behind what they do. Obviously, we dug deep, but we also tried to dumb it down. Um, for you guys, just to make it really simple on how it helps you. Um, the one thing I will say, actually two things. One is the super speed system is a little pricey. I think it's about 200 bucks. Um, and especially during these times, that's a hard thing to convince yourself to do. So the super speed C in my mind is actually kind of a great, like dip your toe into the system. It's a single club instead of three and it's a lot cheaper, um, than that. So and, and if you enter the code PARTRAIN, there it you is. get 10% off. So uh, they're, they're a partner of ours and make sure you guys enter the code PARTRAIN. Get yourself something while you're at home so that by the time you go to the course, friends are asking you, holy shit, you used to be right. level with me and now you're hitting it 20 yards past me. If you're not thinking about hitting it farther, probably playing the wrong sport these days, right? <laughs> <laughs> so... We want to hit it straight too, but but this is where the game's going, and there's there's nobody doing it better right now. Than super speed, so yep. Promo code Partrain, ten percent off. Promo code Partrain, superspeedgolf.com, and let's kick it to Michael Napoleon, the co-founder of Superspeed Golf. Let's do it. Thanks, guys. See you next week. And we are back with Michael Napoleon, co-founder of Superspeed Golf, second time appearing on the train. Uh, Mike, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me back on, guys. Mike, last time we had you on, I don't know if you remember this, we started you off with a little bit of fun. We were trying to leverage your expertise and speed for other things in life. I think we talked about 
laundry, work emails, trying to optimize and speed up some of the mundane things. Um, You know, with life in quarantine and working from home, we wanted to see if you had any super speed tips on how to get work done faster at home. The first one is to quarantine within the quarantine, my two and a half year old and my one year old. So as long as I can get them somewhere else that I can still get work done, that's there. Actually, it's been kind of a fun distraction to be hanging out and being able to play with the kids a lot more. Um, Yeah, as far as speeding things up, I think it's all about environment, right? Like being able to find the right space that allows you to concentrate and not be interrupted. Uh, You know, for me, before this, it was like airplanes, right? Like I would be on airplanes. I mean, I think I I did over 140 hotel nights the year before. So that was like the place I knew I could always sit down in front of my computer for a few hours at least, depending on where I was going, and I wouldn't be interrupted by anything. And uh, yeah, finding that at at home all the time is not quite as easy. Yeah, I I would love to hear, Mike, from your experience. This is a different time. It goes without saying. Um, But... I know we talked a little bit before we started recording. I know you guys are still getting a steady flow of sales and you're in a unique position because it's, you know, super speed's a training aid where you don't have to necessarily be anywhere other than home to, to improve your speed. But I'm just curious from like, you know, there's a lot of business people out there and from an operational standpoint, internal standpoint, what have you had to do? How have you had to pivot or change or new things you've instituted to respond to this time yeah i mean we're very fortunate so i mean we're just we're we're on the very lucky end of that that you know we have a product that you know i think a lot of people are stuck at home they they can't they're not going to their normal day-to-day um whether that would include going to the golf course or going to practice you know they're doing a lot of those things at home and you know with us having a product that you can use at home is really the primary goal of it you know we're just very fortunate on that side um, you know, internally, I think, I think one of the things that we've tried to do is we've tried to catch up on a lot of other projects that have been on the back burner or updates to websites or you're trying to find things to stay busy because I think all of us included, sure. you know, it's, it's just easy to get a little stir crazy when you're um, out of that normal routine of the day. But again, you know, I mean, our company was all working remotely prior to this. So like all of our employees work from home anyhow, and then we mm-hmm. traveled a lot. You know, I think the biggest change is just all of us being at home now instead of on the road. So that's been a that that's been kind of the biggest biggest change that we're going. But again, you know, we can't we're we're very fortunate through all this. It's we've been able to maintain pretty well. Real yeah, quick, we real quick, sir, before you jump in, just a quick yeah. follow up on that, Mike. Um, without being on the road, what were the types of things that you did on the road that maybe pushed your business forward that you can't do now? What what is that gap or, um, you know, shift been? Yeah. I mean, I've been pretty much on a public speaking tour of the world for the last couple of years. Right. So like I, I've been oh. essentially, you know, teaching workshops on speed and power coaching and overspeed training to PGA sections and, uh, golf organizations all over the world. And that that's, not having that personal one-on-one contact was something that we were very worried was going to cause a big downturn in, you know, new, uh, new golf coaches and professionals picking up our products. And honestly, and you know, this is something that, you know, we probably would have never realized beforehand, but I feel like we've gotten as much or more reach, probably more reach in the digital space 
doing a lot more webinars, doing a lot more online education, um, being involved in, in more digital type broadcast um, type material on the internet. I, I feel like we've actually been able to get more outreach than we ever were when we're doing in-person live events. So yeah, That's I don't think we would have ever made that decision otherwise. I think all of us enjoy doing the live events and like some of that that contact. And I think there's a part of it there that you know you have to be very um, it has to be worked in very well to do that same type of thing digitally at a high level. Um, but I, I feel like you know as it's evolved for us and you know, we've gotten very comfortable with doing a lot of these digital type presentations. And again, I mean, I can talk to you know like just this week we did a program with the PGA of Spain, the PGA of Holland, the PGA of Poland, um, and then two or three other organizations in the U.S. And it's like I did one with Australia two weeks ago, and for none of those, none of those required me to get on a 12-plus-hour plane flight. So, right. you know, the amount of that outreach that we can do in a short amount of time, you know, I can do two or three of those a day all over the world, whereas before, you know, that was a taxing trip to try to get on that, that right. cycle. Totally. And in different, like tougher, different parts of the world, right? You kind of feel like you're growing your growing the game from your guys' end of the business to places like you just mentioned that you've got to plan months in advance to get to Poland and um, spend a lot of money too. I mean, just from a yeah. travel expense cost, like our travel expenses, you know, have gone to nothing. Obviously, whereas we we're spending a lot of money on that before, right. which frees up budget to do more digital advertising and then you know more sponsorships. So, I mean, there's like I said, I think different is the, the main word. I certainly, you know, don't want to say better, but just different. And, you know, yeah. I think it's just about how any business, regardless of what you're doing, is going to evolve into kind of the new way of the world as, as we're just all a little bit more comfortable with Zoom and, um, you know, digital platforms as opposed to getting together in giant groups of people. You know, the, the businesses that I feel the worst for, honestly, are the ones where there really isn't no, there really isn't any substitution, right? Like, I mean, it's hard to run a bar or a restaurant or things like that. I mean, those are the type of businesses that I just, that, you know, I think are going to get really caught in the blender on this entire, this entire kind of tragedy. Totally, totally. Uh, with I get the downtime, so to speak, is it safe to say a lot of tour pros have been reaching out to you guys? I mean, you have you guys have had quite a team of tour pros, hundreds of players up until up until the COVID era, so to speak. But I just saw that uh, Larry Mize, 1986 Masters champ, is part of the team. But figured you could talk a little bit about. Yeah, <laughs> no, we had a call with him um, right before, right at the very last event they played. Actually, he got started. Um, you know, obviously, 1987. Excuse me, 87 <laughs> Masters champ. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And any time <laughs> that um, tour players have a stretch of time where they don't have big events coming up, which, I mean, honestly, like, that season was getting crazy. Like, trying to periodize, like, a program for a tour players, like, there was no off time at all for a lot of these right. guys. So, you know, obviously with that type of a, a – with this type of, like, a break that those guys haven't had for a long time, you know, all of them are highly competitive people, so they're looking for that little bit of edge and – you know, if any of the players, I mean, we had before this, I mean, we had over 700 tour players around the world using our stuff. Um, I would say that if any of them were even thinking about it that weren't, you know, this this was kind of like a great opportunity to get started because, you know, like there is about a six to eight week period of time where you have to go through the normalization of getting this training, getting all those speed changes permanent and, you know, really integrating it into your game. And, you know, it's a perfect opportunity for a lot of players to do that. Definitely. 
Well, that, that's exciting. And, you know, what we wanted to bring you out, we wanted to talk about the new exciting product, the Superspeed C. Um, so um, tell the listeners what, about the Superspeed C and, you know, why we should all, you know, be looking into it and, and buying it. Yeah, absolutely. So our original overspeed training set has three clubs in it, right? One's 20% lighter than the driver, one's 10% lighter, one's 5% heavier. Now, all of those clubs are fairly well end weighted. Like swing weight wise, they're actually heavier in swing weight than a normal driver, which does move the MOI and, and makes the actual gap of uh, difference in resistance actually even closer to the player's driver than you might even think. Um, now, one of the things that we found with this, and we did that on purpose because we found that that was the most effective way to get people to gain speed in our research. Um, but what we started to see is we started to see that there's big improvements in players' uh, use of the ground. So, And it would be different for different players, whether we were seeing big increases in torque or big increases in vertical force. I mean, everyone uses the ground a little differently, and there's different ways to do that efficiently. Sure. But we would always see big percentage gains in overall ground force efficiency. Okay. And then we would also see really big gains in rotational sequencing efficiency, especially in like the pelvis and, and torso segments of the sequence. Um, and we're talking like rotational velocity speeds in the 15 to 18% gain um, right before and after doing the training, um, which is a really, really big gain. Then when we started looking at like how much a player's like hand speed was increasing, rotational velocity of the club was increasing, those type of numbers, um, we would on average see usually about a 5 to 6% gain where we were seeing these really big number gains in the, in the ground reaction force and the bigger muscle sequencing parts of the body. So, you know, 5 to 6% gain in hand speed is still a lot. You know, we knew that was still a benefit. We just felt like there may be a way to target kind of those uh, – the small muscle segments, if you will, of the golf swing more specifically. And we found that one of the things that you can do um, is to work with counterweight training. So when we, again, when we have those clubs in, in our normal set that are more end weighted, um, that is going to create a certain amount of resistance for the club to release and right around impact. And that can improve lag a little bit. And there's some positives, um, but it also doesn't give you that overspeed training effect or allowing the the hands and arms to move a lot faster during the swing than normal just to reset that neurologically like we did with the big muscle segments. So the super speed C club is a counterweight training implement. And essentially it's a, looks like a super speed club, but doesn't act like one much at all. Um, in fact, it's about the same overall weight as a player's normal driver. So it's about 315 grams, but it's got a hundred gram counterweight. So a hundred grams of that is behind the player's hands. And what happens with that is that as the club starts to release, that counterweight starts to accelerate the other direction. And that little piece there causes this huge kind of, uh, I would say, like release speed effect that, that can happen in the hands and arms, um, which allows us to actually match some of those big, like 13 to 15 to 18% rotational velocity gains in the hand and arm segments of the golf swing. So think of it as like an overspeed training effect right around impact targeted at the hands and arms. And then in order to do that, we had to uh, change protocols a little bit. We had to create its own protocols that all focus primarily on hand and arm speed as opposed to focusing as much on the big muscle type parts of the golf swing. But what we see with that is we're still seeing 3 to 6% gains in, in club speed with players that have been doing even our overspeed training stuff for years. So 
it was just another way to kind of hyper target one area of the swing and get some bigger gains out of it. So Mike, for a guy that doesn't understand a lot of the terminology that you just used, it sounds like you were, obviously we've had you on before. If you guys haven't listened to that episode, definitely go back. Um, obviously you get more swing speed from the original system. This was saying the old system wasn't necessarily getting as much speed as we could out of the hands and arms. So we created a way to target that area and take an existing super speed user and get even more speed out of them by targeting an area that the other system didn't focus on. Is that? Yeah. Well, let's just say that the other system did increase hand and arm speed. Mm -hmm. We just thought we could get more. And yeah. this was how we were able to get more. Got it. Okay. Got so, it. so let me ask you this because I'm a marketing guy and, you know, I used to work with TaylorMade um, through the years of R11 and Rocket Balls. And I was in those meetings of naming clubs. And oh. so I've always been fascinated by the internal process and even some of the code names. Um, Super Speed C is quite simple, right? Counterweight. I get it. Yep. Um, you can look at, you know, cars as a good example, right? You've got the BMW three with a bunch of digits and that communicates high end, um, you know, machine driven, um, the driving machine, whereas other car brands are like the Accord and the Camry, right? It's more sure. about communicating. I'm curious of how you guys came up with the C. Was it an immediate boom? That's the name. Or did you throw around a lot of names internally? You know, we didn't throw around that many internally. Like, we wanted to keep it simple. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been very much on that side of just keep things really simple so that, you know, the most people can really understand what you're after. Um, we also wanted it, wanted people to make sure that they still understood that it was a, you know, super speed product, that it was really just an additional piece to the overall training. Um, so it wasn't something that was going to totally replace the other system that they'd already been using. It was like an additional piece that could gain them even more speed. Okay. So, and that's kind of what I was wanted to ask you. So if we kind of look at both systems, the original system, the overspeed training and the C system now, if I want to go out to the range tomorrow and train, kind of walk us through and the listeners, do, do I bring all my sticks? Do I just bring... Do I do yep. separate sessions? How do we how do we blend that to? Yep. Or is there as a, someone that's never if if someone's out there that's never done it, right? Yeah. What's the better starting point? Should they get the three set and then go to the C, or can they start with the C? Yeah. So the way we built the protocols for these systems is that they all work on everything, even though one might be a little bit better at working on you know the big muscle stuff or the hands and arms, right? So. Let me answer this two ways. First of all, on the technical side or on the golf side, um, they are two independent systems that can function completely on their own. Okay. Or they can work in theoretically at this point, we just don't have enough research to prove it, but theoretically we feel like they can work together in an even more optimal way. So that, that would be what I would say there. So we also have to realize though, that what's out in the market, right? We've had the overspeed training system out for five, six years now, right? So sure. a lot of people have that and a lot of people have gotten good gains out of it. So we chose to add the C system on now because we knew that it was something that could be effective for players that have already been using that other system for a long time. Okay. So that's kind of the one piece of Got logic it. there. 
Now, on the other side, you know, there's also a lot of people out in the marketplace that, you know, really haven't really, that may not have ever decided to spend $200 and jump and go all in and, and give this, this system a try, even though they see hundreds of tour players using it and all these people. But, you know, it was a $200 training system. And it's still expensive. Um, so we felt like there was also a large part of the market that we would access if we could get a product out there that was a little less expensive, but could still get them some of those gains that they got from the other one. So this product's at $99. So that also accesses a much larger, broader market. And what we're actually finding is that we've gotten a lot of people that had never used SuperSpeed that now have picked up the SuperSpeed C training system and have gotten some pretty big gains out of it right away just because they're going to get those basic overspeed training gains using that or the other system. Um, and then now, like you know, a few months after that, now they're picking up the other system as well you know, just to kind of get the whole thing well-rounded. So the goal long-term sure. would be that people are using both of those systems, um, and we think that's going to be the best way to do it and do it optimal. If it's a player that's been using the overspeed system for years, right, they're in our level four or five protocols for super speed golf, the recommendation if they want to add in the super speed C would be to do all of the training in the same day, just cut the reps down in the normal overspeed training protocol and add in the super speed C starting at level one. If it's a person that just uh, started and bought both of them at the same time and wants to do it all, we would actually have them do two days of the overspeed training system and one of the super speed C until they get into the level four protocol, okay? Um, and then obviously if it's somebody that just picks up the overspeed training system, just start there and start working through it. Or if they just pick up the super speed C system, start there and just start working through that. Sure. No, that, 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 that's helpful. That makes a lot of sense. I, Mike, what are you guys hearing? I mean, it's a new product. I'm sure you're getting great feedback, but you know, um, th this is great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, people are getting big gains out of it. You know, I think from what we're seeing so far, you know, those, those players, especially that have kind of like longer sort of swings are, are really getting some really, really good results out of this because it's forcing them to be able to move their hands in a little bit more um, kind of like a, a faster, like, you know, move react type cycle than, than they're used yeah. to. So that's a big benefit. Um, yeah. I mean, we're also hearing the fact that, you know, people, you know, it's very easy for people to transport the one club versus the three. So that's really a, a nice thing. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're hearing a lot of good positives on it. Like I said, I, I truly do think awesome. that both working together is the best. But, you know, we get a lot of people using both of them independently and still getting great results. Yeah, Mike, I'm curious. Um, I'm sure it, it works equally for both, but I, I am curious about you know, the golf swing is so much about sequencing and timing, right? And there's been a lot over the last few years, especially as like George Gankis and his players have grown in popularity. And, you know, I've gone to see him a couple times and I know Cermak has struggled with body rotation um, throughout his career. I'm curious if a improving the speed of your hands and arms would would it be better for one or the other, right? Like is, is someone that doesn't have a lot of body rotation, would it almost create, like would, would the increase in speed in the hands make them rely on it too much? You know, would the hands get ahead of someone? How, how, does, how do you see that working? I would say that all of those pieces are 
working together on every single swing somebody makes. Like, don't think that if you increase your hand and arm speed a little bit, that it's going to totally take away from the way you're using your lower body in the ground. Like, it's not the case. A lot of times what we'll see is that when somebody's hands and arms increase in velocity or increase in speed, we'll also, you know, down below that, we'll see supporting factors there that are getting better, that's allowing that to happen. So, you know, that's kind of like the old chicken and egg story in the golf coaching world at this point, right? Right. do you change the way the club is moving or the way that the hands and arms are moving the club? And is that going to then influence the way the body's moving to support that? Or do you change the way the body is supporting the club and the hands and arms? And you know, which one do you actually mess with? And the answer to that, in my opinion, for looking at this research through a lot of different stuff with swing catalysts and 3d and everything else that we've used over the years is that it honestly doesn't matter which side of that coin you start on anything that you do is going to affect the entire system. And as long as you're making positive improvements on any part of that system, you're going to be able to see positive effects in the other. So they're all interrelated. It's interesting, Mike, because there are very credible teachers out there that would say, I don't want you to feel your hands in the swing, right? I don't want you to feel it. I don't want you to focus them. I want to get you in a place that just makes it, you know, a good enough place for everything else where it just happens. I don't really agree with that, but, you know, that's a credible way to teach. Sure. But I think, I I mean, I always learned that if you can match your upper body, your big muscles, with your hands and your arms, you're going to hit a great golf shot. That's not easy to do. But I, and I think, and you you guys having the overspeed training is really the setup for this, right? And I just, but, but I could see where a teacher might say to you guys, well, I don't know if I want my student focusing on his hands. So just talk through some of that. I just I think it's one of those situations where it's just a matter of terminology and not necessarily understanding the full piece of the system. I mean, the main model that we look at for swing mechanics at Superspeed is called the speed pyramid. Okay, we built this model that's a pyramid that on the base of it is ground reaction force, forces and torques, all of that type of piece, which has become such a buzz in the golf world in the last 10 years, right? The middle part of it is rotational sequencing and kinematics, so how the different segments move, you know, what, how that timing works, how rotational velocity moves through the segments. And the top of it is going to be hand and wrist mechanics, you know, basically lag and wrist mechanics, applying that rotational velocity to the ball, okay? Um, if you look at any given swing, regardless of the style or how they've been told to do or what they're focusing on during it, all of those areas of that speed pyramid are happening during every single golf swing that every player makes every time, right? So it's impossible to think that you you're only that you can't isolate one piece of that without affecting the others. And I think that's the part that many golf coaches still miss. You know, whether it's a golf coach that likes to te- teach on the side of getting that players focusing on feels that are more body related, and those body related feels then have an effect on the way the club moves, or if it's a teacher that is more related on on feels about how they're feeling the club in their hands and the grip and feeling the face, that kind of thing. And then those feels are all going to have a big impact on the way the body sequences and the way the player uses the ground. It's really, it's like a chicken or the egg tail and it doesn't matter. Like one, one, either way, as long as you're working on the right pieces of efficiency, that that player's going to get better. And we kind of look at that just from a, a massively reverse engineered place. Right? So whether you're using the overspeed training system or using the counterweight training system, I would put this out there as a, you know, 
hard to disprove theory, and that's that if you're able to find a way to make the golf club move five miles an hour faster from one swing to the next, something in that system became more efficient to make it move five miles an hour faster. Now, whether you have the skill development and the physical ability and all of those pieces to be able to support that five mile an hour speed increase immediately to make it effective out of the golf course, that's another equation and there's other variables. But one way or another, something physically became more efficient if you went five miles an hour faster. Yeah. Mike, this, this just popped in my head. Um, but I, I remember when counterbalance putters became a hot thing, right? Putting weight in the grip so that your the, the swing of the head of the putter um, ideally would get more consistent because the weight is more evenly distributed. Um, I'm not sure if that had anything to do with um, influencing this, but I do want to, I'm curious, is there benefit in your mind and your experience in the science of the training that promotes having a heavier grip actually in your real set? Like, is there anything that is to be explored with counterbalance clubs outside of the putter throughout the set? I mean, it's not new. I mean, Jack Nicholas counterweighted every single club in his bag for his whole career. I mean, these are things that have been done for a long time. Um, There's a few different companies now that are putting some counterweighted type method methodology into their actual clubs they're building. Um, You just have to be careful because, you know, swing weight's a big deal, right? And whenever you change, whenever you counterweight in a a club, you're going to change the balance point essentially of that golf club. So, Mm. and and that starts to talk about moment of inertia, right? So the more weight you put behind the player's hands, effectively the lighter the club becomes. But it's going to be different because we're doing this rotational movement. And when that weight, because it's behind that like axis point or pivot point where with the hands, where that is and when it happens can cause you know, a different feel of the club. It can cause different amounts of acceleration, resistance, all of those things that become really important to controlling the golf club. And again, we're doing training here that doesn't involve hitting a ball right. with the goal of increasing how fast that player's hands and arms can move, okay, um, in the golf swing. And then applying it back to their normal club where they're going to be able to get that speed increase effect. Um, there's a lot more that would go into this when you start to put that into actual golf clubs. but is there possibility that that could be a benefit for some players? Absolutely. Well, speaking of questions, things are popping in my head. I was just, I'm thinking about this, the C training tool. And I'm thinking about your middle-aged, even your senior golfers that just may struggle, you know, they've got body aches, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes those players are relying on the, more on their hands and their arms. And I really think, and I don't know, you know, I know we're early in the game here, but I really see an angle there. I'm sure you guys do with to really help them what how they could use one of your guys products as opposed to maybe going through an overspeed training session for a lot i want to get your thoughts i think it's brilliant yeah it's interesting like the way the research is coming in so far like i I would say that yes there is benefit there but you're probably like now again if they're in pain like if they're in pain during the golf swing there's nothing we can really do there to make their body move that much faster because your brain's going to stop you from moving faster when it hurts right like that that's a piece but if you've got somebody with like just poor muscle activation that doesn't sequence well that doesn't use the ground well and really focuses only on their hands and arms i would actually say that the overspeed training sets way better for that person because the big deficiencies they have 
are the fact that they're not using the ground much, they're not using the sequencing, and they're only relying on that one one segment for, for a speed generation, you know, their deficiency is not probably as much in their hands and arms. We're seeing the biggest games with the C Club come in with like some LPGA tour players, some you know, longer swinging kind of players. They actually use a lot more torque and rotational movement in their bodies. And they've never used as much lag and downswing loading type release speed as part of the equation. That hasn't been the big primary factor of speed gain. So their deficiencies, if you call it, are more in that area of the swing. So those are the ones so far we're seeing some of the biggest gains. I guess I, it makes total sense. I guess I was just kind of more looking at it. If somebody was trying to double down on what they do mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to go through something and change you know that's kind of how i was looking at it but i get know. it and again though so, just yeah, doing just the curious. protocols i mean even with the super speed yeah. c training protocols like step change of direction swings are the very in the very first protocol on that too so it's not like we're ignoring ground reaction force and sequencing now, sure. i feel like anyone that's trying to get more speed in the swing is completely out of their mind if they're not trying to use the ground better and trying to sequence better and just trying sure. to get more speed out of their hands and arms. Now, does the super speed C target that area a little bit more? Absolutely, but you're still going to get some benefits out of the others. Definitely. Definitely. So this is this is a funny question because it it you know I got to leave my ego at the door. It might <laughs> paint me as a little bit of a head case, but I'm hoping, Mike, that you can talk me off the ledge. And I wanted to share it because I thought, you know, if I'm feeling this way, it's possible that it, someone else is too. And if you can talk me off the ledge, maybe you can can talk someone else. So um, you guys, you know, were nice enough. You sent us the system and we've been trying it. I know Stratton, who didn't join us today, has used it maybe the most. I know Matt has used it quite a bit as well. Um, I've used it a few times, but I haven't used it as often as I would have liked because for whatever reason, there was some there was something holding me back or some perception I had that if I'm not feeling perfectly confident in my move, meaning I'm working on a lot of things, my swing isn't where I want it to be, is swinging over and over with a speed system going to make those bad habits worse? Am I going to create bad habits? And I just wanted you to address that and maybe talk me off the ledge or help me understand. I have yeah, one quick thing Mike, Mike needs to know, and I'm, I'll stroke your ego. You hit it far already. Yeah. So that's like, it's, I think it's not in your mind. Like, I don't hit it that far. It's not that's in your true. mind, like, where you immediately think, oh, that's the number one thing I got to work on. But Mike's yeah. going to talk you off the ledge because come yeah. on. Yeah, go ahead. Mike. Yeah, I, again, <laughs> I would just go back to that idea of reverse engineered coaching. I, I, in my opinion, the world of golf coaching goes way too far on the let's break down your swing, see where there are things that we don't like, try to find different areas and move, make different little movement changes inside of the swing, and forgets in a major way that is one giant athletic system that works you know, from start to finish, and trying to like micromanage the pieces of it tends to be, at least in my experience as a golf coach, tends to be very much less effective than trying to work on the whole as an athletic movement so what we do with that overspeed training system is you know number one doing something over and over and over and over and over again is not really the best way to groove something anyway like just from a learning standpoint you know that's not really the way we learn that's just repeating emotion 
what we're doing when we go through these trainings is I'm asking you to try to make every single swing that you make during that protocol a little faster than the one before it. So what we're actually doing on every single swing in that protocol is trying to solve that problem of how do I make this go a mile an hour faster? You know, is that one mile an hour faster going to be just that over that edge of what I can stabilize? And what is that one 1% too much that I can go with my lower body before I can't control it or stabilize it with my upper body? And what we're allowing there is a lot of what we call discovery learning for the player to remember what it feels like when the number on that radar goes up two miles an hour. And also what it feels like when they don't do it correctly and they get something out of sequence or something doesn't work right. And it goes down two miles an hour and like, Oh, well, I remember that it, that got slower. It felt like this. Oh, that one got faster. It felt like this. And that process of discovery learning is actually one of the most effective things that we've found that people can possibly do to get better at the game of golf without worrying about all of the little like minutia details of, of the golf swing that generally speaking, can get in everybody's way more than they help. Well, it's funny you say that, Mike, because good. I have a very good friend good. who's on my annual uh, Ryder Cup trip. Shout out to to Basiri. Um, he literally, when he plays his best, it's when we tell him be an athlete. And because he's an athletic dude, really good soccer player, and he just goes out and he plays like an athlete, whatever that means to you, and he forgets all of the the stuff in the swing. And he usually ends up hitting the ball the best. And so that's funny that you brought up athletic movement. I mean, that's what it is. But I've, I've heard that being used before, and it's a funny way to think about it. Yeah, and it's great to hear you talk about it, Mike, because it's great for the listeners. It's worth – the power game is where the game is going. It's where it is. When I grew up playing in the late 90s, early 2000s, Tiger was coming on the scene, and power golf was – he brought it into the conversation. But it wasn't like, well, you can – you can do, you can be David Thomas, right? You, you don't have to be that, but there's no choice now. There's, there, there's just no choice. You know, do you want to be hitting a six iron in or do you want to be hitting at least a nine or an eight, right? And I just, you know, it's, there's no argument anymore about, well, don't worry about hitting it far. If no, you I mean, want it's, really, like, it's like money ball for at golf, a high level. right? Like when you start yeah. to look at that in baseball, they started to look at all the things that were always done traditionally. And well, it's like, well, none of the probability or math actually supports what you guys are doing. You're crazy. Change it immediately. And golf's the same way. Like you start to look at the math and the numbers behind this stuff. Like if people aren't working on hitting the ball further off the tee, I mean, that has the single greatest effect on your scoring ability of any other stat, any other area of the game that you can possibly look at is, you know, you get yourself closer to the green in less shots. You're going to have a better chance of making birdies. And that's just the end of the day on golf. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I think I would actually love, we should look at the stats of the PGA Tour to see as, you know, driving distance has gone up, has the scoring average gone down? I believe it has over the years. But the amateur, I believe I, re, I read a stat a couple of years ago or within the last few years that said, obviously with the golf ball, the golf ball is a big discussion, the drivers, um, the types of people playing golf – it's going further than ever, yet handicaps have stayed the same. And so I'm curious your take on that and maybe, you know, in your mind as a coach, like do this to help yourself keep up with everyone else and hit the ball farther because we know the, the effects of that. But what are people missing? Why, why aren't the handicaps going down for amateurs? Yeah, I mean, 
Number one, I'd have to check those stats. I don't actually even – I haven't read that personally. But, um, I mean, yeah, that, it's such a hard thing to look at on a scale like that. You know, every – Courses, are, courses the, are getting a lot tougher. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it is definitely – most golf courses are – are in generally they're all lengthening too right like i mean i don't know the last time i saw a course that decided to get 200 yards shorter when they did a did a renovation like yeah. all the golf courses are getting longer so you know i think if i think the way you'd have to compare it which is impossible is you could take a body of amateur golfers from 1980 and put them on all the golf courses of today and see what their handicaps would be and if they'd be different um you know i feel like you know, green speeds get faster, rough gets more difficult, fairways get skinnier, courses get longer, and you know, courses in general from that side are trying to um, trying to battle the fact that now we can hit the ball 300 yards instead of 260. And in order to do that, that balances things out and makes other things more difficult. Yeah, Mike, we kind of were alluding to this a little earlier in the conversation, but you guys are such an innovative company with innovative products that are around the long game. Has there ever been conversations in the future, because it's all about neurological brain training. Is there any thoughts or ideas for the short game down the road? Um, and I just, we wanted to get your take a little futuristic here. Yeah, no, I mean, like we like to stay in our lane. I would, yeah. I would say, like, I mean, we're we're very happy being the kind of go-to now for you know working yeah. on speed and power in the golf swing. That's kind of the the goal of our uh, of our whole start of this business was that was the area that we wanted to just become experts in. Um, sure. I mean, obviously, I think short game and putting are very important to the game of golf, and they're fantastic and a lot of fun. And you know, as a golf coach, you know. If there were anything I'd ever want to do with that, it would be more based around trying to develop ways for people to practice it better than really necessarily about, you know, more specific details or training aids or tools. Like, sure. I just think people practice poorly when they're looking at putting um, or, or, you know, short game. I feel like, you know, you have the, the common example of like, it's out of the putting green for six hours hitting five foot putts over and over and over and over again, and then 10 foot putts over and over and over again. And then they get done. And, and, you know, the guy that practiced for 45 minutes, but he hit 35 different putts one at a time and actually practiced what he did on the golf course, ended up actually learning a lot more and getting better at putting than the guy that spent six hours. Like you could take that model and figure out a way to create really good, uh, purposeful, better learning process drills for the short game, you know, that would be the only way I would try to attack. Well, that. and it goes back into what you talk about when you do your discovery session. It's all about purpose, right? Like we're swinging these sticks hard, but we're looking at the data. We're looking at the results and trying to take learnings into your golf swing, right? It's, mm -hmm. I think that that's, that's key. Yeah. The, the last question, Mike, that I have, and then, and then we'll let you go is, um, you know, it occurred to me as you were talking that for our listeners that are maybe new or, haven't gone back and, and listened to the original podcast. Um, if you could simply sum up again, just as a review, because I remember this is where I struggled at the beginning, the whole donut on the baseball bat example yeah. and helping people understand that, yeah, it felt when we played baseball, the bat felt lighter, but actually we were swinging slower. And the difference between that and this, just a quick review 
Absolutely. to remind people on how the technology retrains our brain, I think would be really helpful. And then if you have anything you want to plug or where people can find you, we'd love for you to, to top that too. Yeah, absolutely. So the big picture here of what, what, what this is all based on, if you will, um, is just how our brain controls our body. So any motion that we learn how to do, your brain has somewhat of a expected normal reaction speed of the muscles of your body. So that just basically is like this back and forth trigger effect that when I make a golf swing and, and it happened at 100 miles an hour, that was kind of normal and expected, and then we move on to the next thing. Well, what we found is that you can change that expected reaction speed significantly. And what we also found out is that people are capable of moving much faster than your brain will let it. Okay, your body's capable of moving faster than your brain's currently letting it. So essentially with everything we're doing with overspeed training is we're accessing speed you're already capable of producing. And for whatever reason, your brain's just kind of put a governor on the engine and we're just trying to take that governor off. You do that by actually making your body move faster than normal during that, that swing. So in order to do this neurological speed training, you have to move faster than normal. In order to move faster than normal, we found the easiest way to do that is to make the club lighter. To make the club just enough lighter that you're still accessing the same movement, you can move a lot faster, your brain starts to expect this faster reaction speed, and then voila, you've got faster club speed after about six to eight weeks of doing that, you prove to your brain that that's the new permanent normal, okay? Now, the thing about this and what you mentioned with the donuts is very important because that's the opposite, right? That would be like I'm giving you a club that's way heavier than what you're used to doing. Now, if I just give you something a lot heavier than what you're used to, you're obviously not going to be able to make it move as fast because there's more resistance. Now your brain's going to start to remember that slower speed as the new resistance, and you'll get the old club back, and you'll say, wow, it feels a lot lighter. But you're, you're, when you pull that complex motor program and you make that golf swing, your body's going to react with that slower, new slower reaction speed. So you actually slow yourself down doing that. Um, so that's the big thing. I mean, overspeed training yep. in its you know easiest definition is just make your body move faster than normal during something it already knows how to do in order to reset that normal reaction speed to something faster than it was before. That's all it is. It's a really, so when, really simple concept. So when Cermak is 40 yards back in the fairway for me, he could technically blame his brain right. in some way. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Right. Got it. Then okay. when I, right. And then when I get up and down, right, and you're three putting, you know? Yeah. Well, that's how it works. <laughs> Everybody, all listeners, go out and check out the Superspeed. See, Mike, superspeed.com or you want to tell anyone? Yeah, so superspeedgolf.com, that's going to be the uh, primary website that has all the information, all the training protocols, um, lots of information on the science behind everything. Uh, we actually have an online certification program too that you know it's primarily for coaches but we have a lot of just interested amateur golfers that'll go through the level one to learn some more of the in-depth background in science that's at superspeedcertified.com um, if you're interested in any other sports we also have products for baseball and tennis um, baseball is going to be at superspeedslugger.com tennis at superspeedtennis.com so same concept works in those other sports as well. And then, you know, find us on social media as well at Superspeed Golf on all the major, uh, major carriers. Awesome. Well, I'm going to be, I'm going to get to see, I'm going to be working with it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be hitting it far. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm coming for Ev. I'm excited. I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. Uh, the C, the C's, it's got me written all over it. I'm excited. 
<laughs> Great. Super speed. Well, guys, tournament. thanks a lot for having me on again. Mike, um, we appreciate you always coming. what you guys do. So anytime you need any more information, if there's anything we did, we can do to help, uh, feel free to reach out. Awesome. Appreciate thanks it. Thanks so much, Mike. Thanks, Hope Mike. you and your family stay well. You too.